The Atlanta Braves are in the middle of another great run, and just like we had in the 90s, could this potentially be a dynasty for the Atlanta Braves? We're going to check in on the Braves' front office, talk about the moves that have been made, and just how good of a job they have done. Are there any concerns going forward with all these players they have locked up? They seem like great deals. It seems like the Braves are set up to contend for a long time. We're going to take a look at those deals, take a look back at some of the trades that Alex Anthopoulos has made in his tenure, and just how close is this Braves team to becoming a dynasty going forward. We'll discuss that on this episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. Make sure you download the Lockdown Sports Atlanta app on Roku and Amazon Fire devices. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. If you're new, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're watching this video, hit that thumbs up button and that notification bell so you get notified whenever we go live, whenever we post a new episode. And as always, thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. Continue to post episodes daily throughout the offseason right now. So plenty of Braves content for you as we gear up for the winter meetings starting this Sunday. Should be a lot of fun. A lot of articles coming out on Wednesday. Jeff Hass and ESPN writing about how it could be an explosion of moves, you know, in the days prior to the winter meetings and obviously at the winter meetings as well. It certainly feels that way. Haven't been a ton of big moves made yet. So I'm hoping we're going to get a lot of really big news come out over the weekend leading into the winter meetings. Obviously hoping for some shortstop news for the Atlanta Braves or left field, whatever it may be, looking for a big move there. We're going to talk about moves because we're going to talk about the front office today, the front office of the Atlanta Braves. Talk about the state of the franchise. Where are they at now? Where are they going? And just you know how good of a job or bad job, if you disagree, has Alex Anthopoulos done to becoming GM of the Atlanta Braves? Is this team set up to potentially become a dynasty with what we've already seen with this Braves team? Asked you that question on Twitter as well. Going to read some of those comments in the final segment. So go ahead and start letting me know in the comments if you're watching live. How do you feel about this current regime for the Braves and where this team is heading? Are you Do you feel like we're going to be a, a dynasty franchise situation here for the rest of this decade? Are you Do you have concerns about the future of this team and where they are heading? Let me know whether in the chat, watching live, or in the comments below on YouTube. Well, let's start with the state of the franchise. Alex Anthopoulos hired as GM in 2017. Since then, the Braves have made the postseason five straight years, winning the NL East in five straight years. They've made two trips to the National League Championship Series. They've won the National League once. That same year, they also won the World Series. So we're in a five-year stretch here of, you know, really good uh, run for the Atlanta Braves. I mean, five division titles, one World Series. I mean, you can't really ask for much more, but obviously feel like there's more room to grow. Alex Anthopoulos, though, has done 
as good a job as you can do in your first five years as the GM of a ball club. And you look at payroll, and that's one thing with the Atlanta Braves. When they had the run in the 90s, I mean, they were consistently a top payroll team. A lot of that, you know, because of Turner and TBS and all of that, but they haven't really been at that level for quite some time. But they are getting back there, a top 10 payroll last year. And you look at when Alex Anthopoulos took over, the payroll's gone from 118 million to 128 million and then 149 million in 2020. What it would have been, obviously, prorated contracts because of the shortened season. And then in 2021, it was 144 million. Took a little bit of a step back because of the COVID year. But then last season, 2022, a career high $187 million payroll. And right now for 2023, they're already set to uh, set another record at $196 million in payroll tied up for 2023 alone. So you're seeing success with that success. You're seeing the payroll go up, which is what you would hope. And a lot of that, I think you have to attribute to the fact that the Braves opened up a new ballpark as controversial as maybe that may have been. It certainly has been great for business. The battery has been amazing. Braves still don't have a great, TV contract at the moment, but they are still, you know, doing very well for themselves right now. Obviously, coming up a recent World Series championship helped as well. You know, over three million fans last year. So the business is booming. That is for sure. That's reflected in the payroll, which is great to see. And we'll see if that gets even bigger if the Braves actually go into the luxury tax for the first time in team history this coming up season, which I kind of think they need to and have to. We discussed that already. But either way, we're at the point now, you can't complain about the Braves not spending money. They're a top 10 payroll already. They're saying they want to be a top five payroll or can be in, in the coming years. So you can no longer say this team's not spending money. They certainly are, and that's certainly great to see. You look at controllable assets for the Atlanta Braves. One thing Alex Anthopoulos has done a fantastic job of is locking up this young core that the Braves have. You look at the assets that they control for the rest of this decade and even beyond. Austin Riley is controllable through 2033. Matt Olson through 2030. Ronald Acuna through 2028. Strider, Spencer Strider through 2028. Ozzy Albies through 2027. And Michael Harris through 2032. So, you look at that young core right there, mostly position players, and those guys are locked up for the rest of this decade. Now, those are going to get pretty pricey, but those are all all-star MVP-level type players, Cy Young-type players in the case of Spencer Strider, and you have them under control for many years ahead. That's you know, obviously one of the best things that Alex Anthopoulos has done of identifying good young talent and then locking them up to team-friendly deals. You're going to see contracts that are signed this offseason, players routinely at the top of the market getting $30 million a year. Alex has yet to sign somebody to make more than $22 million a year, which again is why I think Dansby may be going somewhere else if some, another team comes out and offers him 23 24 25 million as has been projected but again shows the great job that Alex has done locking up all these young players and not going you know too high as far as an annual average annual value is concerned and getting some somewhat team friendly deals which honestly a lot of the league has not been too happy with 
But again, I think that's one of the biggest positives from Alex Anthopoulos' regime right now is locking up that young talent and going to the postseason five straight times and winning a World Series, which is great as well. And he's made some really good moves on the trade market, and that's what we're going to talk about next. What are the big trades that Alex Anthopoulos has made, and how has that affected the farm system? We're going to discuss that here next. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right at Simply Safe. Your safety is the only thing that matters. It's super customizable, not a situation where you have to purchase things you don't need in order to get the things you want. The system integrates well into your home. It's easy to self-install. No need to have a tech come out and schedule a time for them to come to your house whenever you're available. And no bulky units that are going to mess up your home's design. It's very useful for security and peace of mind as well, which is what I really appreciate. It can move with you even after you install it. Just remove the elements and take them with you to your new home or residence. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. One thing we know that is safe, that is the job of Alex Anthopoulos because he has been. Pretty incredible since coming over to the Atlanta Braves. I don't think anybody doubts that. We trust AA um, even even after what happened last offseason with the Freddie Freeman situation and what happened there. It's so interesting to see how a beloved player like Freddie Freeman, and he still is, and I'm not blaming Freddie Freeman, but how many Braves fans backed up Alex Anthopoulos with the way that it, it went down and with how he quickly pivoted to replace Freddie Freeman with another great first baseman and Matt Olson. So certainly trust Alex Anthopoulos at this point to do the right thing, to make the right moves, not just for the present, but for the future as well. And I think that's been really key when you look at the job that Alex Anthopoulos has done is he's done a great job improving the team in the short term, in the short term while also keeping the future in mind. And a lot of that comes with some of the trades he made has made. I'm going to go through the list of some of these trades that hopefully you remember. I just think it's a little neat to go down memory lane and look at some of the moves that he's made. When he first came in, obviously coming through a rebuild, first big move that he made was actually a, a money uh, move. He traded Matt Kemp to the Dodgers for Adrian Gonzalez, Charlie Culberson, Scott Casimir, and Brandon McCarthy, along with a nearly $5 million. Charlie Culberson ended up being the best player in that deal, and I'm glad that we got Charlie Culberson out of that. Then in 2018, when the Braves suddenly were competing, he went and got Adam Duvall for the Reds at the, from the Reds at the trade deadline. Didn't have a great season with the Braves that year, but obviously he had some big moments since then. The Braves traded Lucas Sims in that deal, who turned out to be a pretty good reliever for the Reds, although he missed all of last year, but still not a huge loss. Also, at the 2018 deadline, he got Kevin Gosman and Darren O'Day from the Orioles for um, you know a couple of prospects. You know, Evan Phillips is the one guy that's kind of you know he had a monster season with the Dodgers last year in 2022. Gosman was good for the Braves in 2018, terrible in 2019, ended up getting cut, and then figured things out with the Giants and got a big deal in Toronto. So again, another move there where you know you 
it worked out in the short term with Gosman, not and you didn't really lose anything in the long term with the prospects he gave up. Made some solid bullpen moves in 2019. He got Anthony Swarzak early in that year, and that ended up being big. The bullpen was so bad for the Braves to start in 2019 uh, that Swarzak came on and actually uh, had some big moments in the in the Braves bullpen. But then at the deadline, really picked it up. Got Shane Green, Chris Martin, Mark Melanson, and that really you know revitalized that bullpen. And really, ever since then. Alex has been done a really great job of bulking up the bullpen every year. In those deals, he gave up Joey Wentz, Travis Demerit, Colby Allard, Tristan Beck, and Dan Winkler. Wentz looks like he might be a solid piece in the Tigers' rotation. Demerit and Allard have both come back to the Braves since then. I did like Tristan Beck, but he's had a tough go of things. Um, but again, nothing really lost there. 2020, not a great year for Alex Anthopoulos trade-wise. He traded for Tommy Malone. Obviously, 2020, a weird season. Didn't much, Not much happened in terms of trade. Gave up Greg Cullen in that deal, who has some decent numbers with Baltimore, but isn't currently one of their top 30 prospects. It's a very deep farm system. Um, Orlando Arcia for Patrick Weigel and Chad Sabatka turned out to be a really good low-key move. Neither Weigel nor Sabatka has really gotten it going, but Arcia has played big role for the Braves filling in, obviously, last year at second base with Ozzy Albies out. 2020, 2021 was the magic trade deadline that he had, getting Jock Peterson from Bryce Ball. Everybody was up in arms about trading Bryce Ball at that point. Now, he's had a 762 slugging percentage at AA last year, just 11 home runs and 131 games for a guy you know many people thought could be a 40 home run bat someday. Um, he also traded Pablo Sandoval for Eddie Rosario, the NLCS MVP, and then Jorge Soler for Casey Kalich got Jorge Soler, the World Series MVP. Kalich had a 405 ERA and a 145 whip as a reliever across three levels last year for the Royals. You got to talk about the good and the bad. That's the same trade deadline traded for Richard Rodriguez for Bryce Wilson and Ricky DeVito. Rodriguez obviously did not work out i didn't love giving up ricky devito in that deal uh devito looks like a solid bullpen arm if he can put it together some command issues but a really good k rate but still you know you're giving up a, a guy that's potentially going to be a reliever nothing huge lost there also traded uh got adam duvall for alex jackson nothing lost there the one trade that he makes and next one i'm going to talk about it's the only time we've really seen alex Antopoulos give up some of his top prospects. He sent Christian Pache, Shea Langoliers, Joey Estes, and Ryan Cusick to the A's for Matt Olson. It's the only time, like I said, we've seen AA go out and, you know, give up some of his top prospects, but he had to. I talked about it last offseason. If they weren't going to get Freddie and he felt that's the way it was going, you had to pivot and give up whatever it took to get Matt Olson. You had to get one of those guys. So, we see in that scenario where back against the wall, got to pull the trigger, got to make something happen. He is willing to give up those top prospects, but it's really the only deal where we've seen Alex Anthopoulos just throw out his top prospects to make a big move. So up until that point, you know, the talk, I had said it, I wrote about it all the time over at tomahawktake.com. When is Alex going to make that big deal to put the Braves over the hump? When's he going to make that big trade, give up some big time prospects? Well, that was it. And Pache, I hate it for him because I love the guy, but it, he just still hasn't really figured out with the bat. Still really young. I do think Langoliers is going to be a solid catcher for a long time. Um, 
I liked Estes and Cusick, but they're both, you know, middle to back of the rotation. Cusick maybe a, a bullpen arm. Um, so again, I don't see any real significant loss there because William Contreras really has stepped up as a catcher as well, which eases us the pain of losing Langoliers. He trades Jesse Chavez for Sean Nuka, which ended up being a huge deal. Now here's another one as well. He traded Drew Waters, Andrew Hoffman, and CJ Alexander for the 35th overall pick in last year's draft. Ended up being J.R. Ritchie. Maybe even more importantly, added over $2 million to the Braves' bonus pool money. Now, Drew Waters got it going with the Royals a little bit, got a cup of coffee. You know, there's always that potential for him to go on and be, uh, you know, a really good player at the big league level. But Braves were kind of running out of time with him. You get J.R. Ritchie, you're really, you know, strong pitching prospect. Again, you got that extra bonus pool money. Um, traded Robbie Gross or got Robbie Grossman for Chris Anglin. Jake Odorizzi for Will Smith. I know Odorizzi didn't work out. Will Smith wasn't going to give you much either. Ends up being a, a money swap, so no real loss there. Here's a, here, This maybe go down as one of the better trades for Alex Anthopoulos. Tugger Davidson and Jesse Chavez for Rysel Iglesias. As good as Iglesias was, now he's not cheap. He's making $16 million a year, but Tugger Davidson's a back-of-the-rotation arm. Braves have plenty of those. Jesse Chavez, they ended up getting back anyway, uh, so that was an amazing deal. Obviously, that was a, a salary dump for the Angels, but uh, it's a really good trade for Alex Anthopoulos. Recently, he traded uh, Dylan Spain for Sam Hilliard, traded Odorizzi for Allard and Cash, and they traded uh, Cash for Dennis Santana. So, again, you look at all those trades, and except for the Olsen trade, really haven't touched anybody in their top five, 10 for prospects and Drew Waters in that trade with Kansas City uh, to get a, a draft, high draft pick and more bonus pool money. So again, Alex has done a great job of not just focusing on the present when he's made deals at the trade deadline to try to improve the team, but also not sacrificing the future and held on to the right prospects. You know, didn't didn't trade an Albies or a Riley uh, or, you know, a William Contreras for that matter held on to those guys, and they've all become a big part of this team. So I think that's very important when you're evaluating the job Alex Anthopoulos has done. However, you look at the farm system, it's bottom five in all of baseball. However, they just had guys finish one and two in the rookie of the year. You know, a lot of why the Braves farm system is so down, they've graduated so many good players recently. I mean, you go back to when Alex has taken over, you know, guys like Acuna, Albies, Riley, uh, Michael Harris, Vaughn Grissom, Spencer Strider, Kyle Wright. I mean, these are all guys who have come up through the Braves system and they're now a part of the big league team that were once top prospects. So only natural that you're going to have your farm system go down. I will say Dodgers have done the same thing and they still have one of the top farm systems in baseball the Rays have as well. But another big part of it is the fact that the Braves had those international penalties for so many years, which they're now finally out of, which is great to see. And that should start helping uh, help boost the farm system once those guys that they've now signed start coming through the system. Another thing to keep in mind with the Braves farm system, they've done an impeccable job in developing talent. And I think that's something that's highly underrated when you look at the brave system you look at some of these prospects you know michael harris was a raw prospect coming out von grissom same things and these the braves you know development department has done an incredible job 
just raising these kids into big time players and contributors at the next level. So yeah, they may not have those top 100 prospects in the system right now, but you know, with the way the Braves have developed pitching, you look at the depth of pitching that they have. I mean, they can go nine, 10, 11 deep right now into their farm system if they needed to. I mean, Kyle Muller, Darius Vines, uh, Bryce Elder, Jared Schuster, um, these guys are all right there waiting in the wings if they needed them. And I think you could feel pretty comfortable about those guys coming up if you had to. So, again, I know the Braves farm system isn't great. It doesn't rank great. They don't have a lot of top prospects, but I have trust in the Braves developmental staff. So here's the question that I posed, and I'm going to get to some of your answers after the break. Are the Braves set up for a dynasty? They've already seen five years of success. You really just need another five years on top of that. Are the Braves a dynasty? Are they on their way to being a dynasty? And look, I grew up in the 90s. I was there for that 14 division run. Everybody's going to look back and say they just had the one World Series. And in my mind, it really kind of holds them back from being a, a real dynasty. You look at recent dynasties you think of the the 90s yankees which should have been the braves dynasty but the yankees took that over you look at the giants in 2010 and 2014 in my mind three world series in five years that's a dynasty and you even look at the current astros who now have their second world series say what you want about the 2017 world series that team the success that they've had and now that they've got another world series you know i consider them to be a dynasty and it's all on what you consider to be a dynasty. But in my mind, you know, the Braves go another five, six years making the postseason. You know, they, they reach another world series. They win another world series. I consider that a dynasty. I consider that, you know, an, an elongated run of success winning multiple championships. And I think that's the key winning multiple championships in baseball, really, really hard to do. So, in my mind, another five, six years of making the postseason, making deep runs in the postseason, winning another championship. I think this could be another dynasty. The core is there for that to happen. We've talked about it. You know, the young talent that they have locked up for this next decade, the money is there now. Again, we've talked about that. They have the ability to go out and sign these players to spend in free agency. It's easier than ever to get in the playoffs now with all the extra playoff spots you have. It's also harder than ever to win the World Series in the postseason because of the extra teams. Just like we saw this year, you run into a hot wild card team like the Phillies who get hot at the right time. You get in a five-game series, and you can get knocked out, and you can get knocked out in that first round. So, again, it's hard for me to see them not making the postseason for, honestly, the rest of this decade. Can they win another World Series? That's going to be the key. Could things go badly? The only way I see things going badly is if you know some of these contracts obviously don't work out. Starting in 2026, you're paying $22 million to Riley and Olsen, $20 million to Spencer Strider, and $17 million to Ronald Acuna. If one or two of those guys don't pan out, injuries, regression, whatever, you're really in a bad, bad spot. And that's part of it that's risky with any type of long-term deal but that's really the only way I see things going badly for this team is if one of those really four key players there either gets hurt or regresses and then you're stuck with all that money 
on one or two of those guys. But, you know, that's 80 million tied up to four players. You really need three of those guys to be who the Braves expect them to be through the, the entire run of this next decade. And oh, by the way, that's not even accounting for the fact they could bring back Dansby Swanson, who's going to get 20 plus million a year, potentially get 20 plus million a year during that time frame as well. So always that risk in long-term deals still would rather them do it than not. And I'm not saying that any of those players will regress. Obviously you can't predict injuries, but you know, there is some risk with those long-term signings that the Braves have. All right, next, give you a little bit of news, and I'll get to some of your contents on this Braves front office and the job they've done. How confident are you in them going forward? We'll discuss that next. This episode is also brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game that you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including NBA, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. A couple of news items I wanted to get to. Uh, I had somebody mention this on Twitter and asked me to talk about it or at least mention it, so I will. I've said on here before, I'm just kind of I'm kind of over the Hall of Fame <laughs> at this point, and I hate to say that because I used to love the Baseball Hall of Fame so much, but the steroid era has really just kind of tainted everything for me and made it kind of weird. Um, so I don't really get into the Hall of Fame as much as I used to. That being said, I do need to mention the fact that Fred McGriff and Dell Murphy are on the Contemporary Baseball Era ballot that's coming up soon. It's going to be voted on this Sunday, December 4th, and it will be announced that night at 8 p.m. Eastern on MLB Network. Also on the ballot is Albert Bell, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Don Mattingly, Rafael Palmero, and Kurt Schilling. It's a loaded list. And I think Fred McGriff and Dale Murphy are certainly worthy of the Hall of Fame. Um, but that is a, again, this is why I'm kind of over the Hall of Fame. Because you look at those list of players on numbers themselves. Fred McGriff and Kurt Schilling may rank fourth or fifth, maybe even sixth on that list. But because those guys are suspected steroid users, I don't know how people are going to vote for those because everybody's split on do you put in the steroid guys do you not there's no been no direction from the hall of fame so it's really tough because you can only vote for three players and you look just at numbers and i think fred mcgriff and del murphy while obviously worthy of the hall of fame they may be in the middle of that list so i don't know if they get in i think they deserve to be in i'm just kind of over the hall of fame at this point i'm sorry i hope i'm not putting a, a damper on it for you Again, I hope they get in. You need 12 of 16 votes to get in to the Hall of Fame or to get in off this ballot. Again, I think Fred McGriff and Dale Murphy, I think their resumes are certainly Hall of Fame worthy. Hoping they get in. That'll be announced this Sunday night. And obviously, we'll talk about it at that point. I wanted to give an update on Acuna. He's 11 for 23 now in seven Venezuelan League games. I think that's counting the pinch hit game. So I think he technically has four games left that the Braves have allowed him to play over there. He did hit a second home run on Tuesday, the hanging 
breaking ball that I think I would have hit out, but still uh, pretty awesome to see him having some success there. Interesting story from Justin Toscana of the Atlanta, uh, of the AJC, who says that the Braves are believed that Marcelo Zuna will be, will have a bounce back season in 2023. Um, came out late in the day on Wednesday. I immediately rolled my eyes. Full disclosure, I didn't pay the fee to read the article, but I'm pretty positive I know what's in there. You look at his baseball savant page. He hits the baseball hard. All those, you know, good things and that his expected batting average, you know, will be what it, what it should be with all that hard contact. He's going to work hard. He's going to get in shape. Blah blah blah. I don't I don't buy it. I think this is posturing from the Brave side, um trying to hopefully give him some value on the trade market. But I I don't know. I know the Braves don't want to eat this money. I'm really hoping that Marcelo Zuna isn't part of the Braves next year, but part of me just, I don't think Alex is going to find the deal that he wants in order to, to trade him. And I don't think he's willing to eat all of that money just yet. I think honestly, he's hoping Ozuna comes into 2023, lights the world on fire, and then maybe he's willing to move him in a deal during the season. His value is obviously very low right now. Everybody knows the Braves want to trade him to get rid of him. So there's not a lot of leverage in these discussions Alex Anthopoulos is having. I don't buy this article from Justin, who does a great job with the AJC and you know, obviously has to write what they're telling him. But I don't believe this at all, and I don't put much stock in it. Uh, a couple of other news outside of the Braves. Don Mattingly joined the Blue Jays as a bench coach. Uh, Shelby Miller old uh, friend of the Braves, signed a major league deal with the Dodgers. So watch out for Shelby Miller, his return in 2023. All right, I posed the question on Twitter. How do you feel about this front office? And do you think this is a dynasty going forward? Or do you have any concerns? Chris Shaffey says they're doing great things on and off the field. The coaching staff and front office team have created a strong foundation. AA finds players that work hard or focused and have the Braves winning team attitude. They have the ingredients and the Braves way will keep striving. Uh, so like that optimism there from Chris, Brad Horn says somewhere in the middle, unless we sign both a premier shortstop and left field, the soft season, then it'll be a confirmed dynasty. I'd love to see another premier starting pitcher as well. If they are serious about being top five in payroll. So Brad's ready to go all in. Uh, sign a left fielder, sign a shortstop, get a premier starting pitcher, certainly would be on board for that. Sam uh, Peebles says, I think it's somewhere in the middle as well. A dynasty is largely based on dominoes falling the right way. AA is setting them up to where the dominoes actually exist in the first place. And it's a great point, as always, from Sam, who does a great job podcasting as well. He writes for Tomahawk Take and uh, Battery Power. So uh, appreciate that comment there from Sam. And I do agree. AA has put them in a place where you just need, you know, the dominoes to fall the right way as they did in 2021. And this team's set up to win a World Series and become another World Series and become a dynasty. Steve Lamb says, I think it's a little bit of both. So another somebody else right in the middle. Witt Price is dynasty 100%. So I like that there from Witt. And Perry Nick says, I lean toward dynasty right now, but let's see what happens at short and left. I say, let's go Dansby and put a lot of money on a big-time left fielder. So somebody else thinking it all depends on what happens this offseason at shortstop and left field. 
All right, I'm going to jump to the comments section real quick. Braves in one says, what happens first? Braves dump Ozuna or Swanson signs elsewhere? Well, that's assuming you think if Swanson signs elsewhere, I think I think Dansby signs before the Braves dump Ozuna. Where Dansby signs, I don't know. But I think we see Dansby Swanson side, sign before the Braves dump Ozuna. However, if the Braves are going to trade Ozuna, I think that happens before Dansby signs. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think if the Braves trade Ozuna, it happens before Dansby signs. I think if the Braves are going to dump Ozuna, it happens after Dansby signs. Um, Hines mentioned the article about from Justin uh, talking about Marcel, um, Braves sticking with Marcel. Uh, what's changed to make us now count on a resurgent? Doesn't make sense to me. Kind of already covered that. Again, the only reason I can see the Braves coming out and saying this is that they're trying to uh, give him some more value from other teams and trade discussion. Uh, Braves N01 says, Jake, given last year's team won 101 games and the division, what are realistic expectations for 2023? Realistically, and a lot, again, as some of you have commented, depends on what happens at shortstop and left field. I think even, even if you win internally, let's say they went Grissom at shortstop, Rosario and left field, still a division contending team uh, in my mind. So um, starting to lose my voice here a little bit. So I'm going to wrap things up. Apologize. Wasn't able to get to some of your comments. Put them in the YouTube section below and I will get to those there. Appreciate all the comments and those joining in the chat section. But that will do it for this episode of Locked on Braves. Thanks for making us your first listen of each and every day. Now go, go make your second listen, Locked on Sports today. Talking about the biggest stories and giving the take of the day. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Follow me at Shortstop Ball. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 